if you're launching a product, you don't need a huge budget or a cheaper manufacturer. What you need is to launch smarter. You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one woman mission to save UK manufacturing. I invite you to join me every Tuesday and Friday when I'll be sharing the stories behind some of the best British made brands and UK manufacturers and offering you advice on making in the UK. Let's crack on with the show. Welcome to episode 95 of the Make It British podcast. Before I get on with today's episode, I just wanted to give you a little bit of a heads up that I'm shortly going to be making a few little changes to this podcast. Now, for those of you who have been listening for a long time, and I thank you very much for doing so, or if you've just started listening, um, we're nearly getting to the one year anniversary of the Make It British podcast, which also coincides with 100 episodes. So in a couple of weeks time at episode number 100, I will not only be recapping on all of the episodes that we've done so far and also announcing a way that I'll have for you to easily look through all of our back catalogue of episodes to find something that is particularly of interest to you or that could be useful for something you're doing when it comes to developing a UK made product. But we'll also be making a few changes and we will be taking a little bit of a break, but not for long, not for long at all. But we will be making announcements about that. Well, I will be on episode number 100. So that's really exciting. And I'm really looking forward to telling you all about that. But in the meantime, on today's episode, I thought I would talk about how you could validate a new product. If you're launching a new product that's made in the UK or even just a new collection within a product range that you might already have, then I'm going to tell you about how you can do that and also why you would want to do it. Now, the idea from this came about because I interviewed Sophie Slater from a brand called Birdsong in the last episode. And she talked about using Crowdfunder to launch her business. And at the same time, I have been contacted by a lot of brands recently who said they've got a fantastic idea for something they want to launch. Sometimes these ideas are just brilliant. And other times you think, whoa, that's... uh, That's kind of out there, but it could work. Um, And people have got these ideas and they want me to help them find manufacturers to make these products, manufacturers that are in the UK. And they don't have the budget. They've got nowhere near the budget they might need to launch the size and scale of collection of products that they think they would like to launch. So I thought it would be best to talk to you today about how you could validate a product idea quite cheaply and easily and quickly so that you can stretch your initial budget for launching something quite a bit further and also to stop you making expensive mistakes, making something that at the end of the day, no one wants to buy. 
Now, a lot of people that contact me say, I certainly haven't got five, 10, 20, 50,000 pounds to launch this product. And they think that the solution to that is to find a cheaper manufacturer. And that is very much not the case. The first thing you should be looking at is how much you are actually developing right in the, the start. And it, that is a theme that seems to have gone on for the last few weeks because so many people have got such ambitious plans um, when they first launch something. And I always say it's best to keep it simple. It doesn't overwhelm you and it doesn't overwhelm the manufacturer. And it also means that you can invest less money at the start and get something launched quickly and get feedback on that from your ideal customers. So one of the most important reasons why you need to get this sort of feedback early on is you need to know that the people who your target customers are actually willing to pay for the product that you're launching. Now, you're actually in a very lucky position because back when I was a buyer, for a big multiple department store. Is that the right word? Multiple retailer, a big department store and a multiple retailer. I had to predict sometimes up to a year in advance about how much stock we were going to buy of each individual item, what colour, style, sizes and everything like that for each of these products. And if I got it wrong, then I was left with a whole load of stuff that we couldn't sell. Nowadays, it's so much easier to launch something without making these sorts of ideas and predictions up front. It helps that we've now got the World Wide Web, which now I'm showing my age. When I first started out as a buyer, there was no such thing and there was no way of launching something quickly and easily and testing the market. But there are now lots of different platforms that you can use to test something on. And I wanted to run through with you today what those sort of platforms are and how you can test your products on these platforms. One of the reasons as well that you want to kind of stay small when you first start out is not only to find out that people are willing to pay for the product that you developed and that they're willing to part their hard-earned cash for it, but it also gives you an idea of where you're pitching your product at the right price or not in order for you to make a profit and for someone to be willing to think that it's good value. And it also means that you don't have to spend a huge amount of money on development and sampling. If you're a new brand and you're launching, often manufacturers want you to pay up front. That's really not that unusual, particularly with UK manufacturers. You're a risk to them. And again, it's your money that you're risking as well. So if you have to pay up front, you do want to pay as little as possible. As I said at the beginning, that doesn't necessarily mean just finding a cheaper manufacturer. It needs means being much cleverer about it. The other reason it's worth validating a product idea early on, particularly if it's a sort of product that has to be worn or used, is that you can check that it fits. You can check that it wears well or that it, it lasts in long term use. You can get really honest feedback from your initial customers. And if there's anything you need to tweak, you can do that before you put a big production order in. You know, if you're developing an item of clothing, you want to know that the item of, being clo of clothing has been worn a lot of times and is fit for purpose before you place a big order with a manufacturer. And you know what? 
they would rather you did that as well than ordering a huge amount of stock that doesn't sell. Because if you order, place a big order with them in the short term, but you don't come back for anything in future because the whole thing fails because you've run out of money, then that's no use to them as well. So it's much better to do something at the start on a small scale, test the waters, tweak it, get it right, and then place a much bigger order with the manufacturer later on. It's also worth keeping a manufacturer in the loop when you're doing something like this. So tell them why you need them to make a small order quantity or some samples. Say you're testing the market, keep them informed of how you plan to do it, what platforms you're going to be using and discuss lead times with them so that when you go back for a bigger order and to launch properly, then you can do so knowing that you're not going to let anyone down, not yourself, the manufacturers or the customers that are waiting for the products. So what do you need to do in order to develop a product that you can validate? What sort of things do you need to get in place first? Well, it's actually very little, really. It can be as much as just a few samples that are suitable for you to be able to photograph or maybe video. You can even make tweaks to them in the photographs that, you know, if the sample isn't entirely perfect, you can still photograph it and get it out there and get it in front of people. You don't need a product in all the different colours or permutations or sizes. All you need to do is have something that you can photograph or that you can start showing to people. You can even maybe, if, you, if you're clever and technical, you can use something like Photoshop to show different colorways to people. So you don't need huge amounts of different colors and different variations of each product. Keep it as small as you possibly can. It's much easier for the manufacturer in the long term as well. It might even be that it's not in exactly the right materials that you plan to use long term, but it's something as close as you can get, just so you can get an idea whether people like and want to actually purchase this product. You can certainly tweak a prototype later on before you go for your proper launch. Just remember that it's better to have something out there to check that people actually like it than it is for it to be totally perfect. And that's certainly something I see from designers and businesses that contact me that want to reach out to manufacturers. They expect a completely perfect product range to be able to put out there to the world. And, you know, you're not going to be like that when you first start out. So better to get something out there than absolutely nothing. So once you've got your samples, how do you actually test it? Well, one of the best ways, I think, and certainly something that didn't exist back in the day, but that I wish did when I launched my own clothing brand back in 1992, um, was crowdfunding platforms. So online crowdfunding platforms such as Kickstarter or Crowdfunder. Now, how these platforms work is that you run a campaign on there showing your products and asking people to invest in those products before you've actually launched them. So say you're launching a clothing brand, you would have just a few samples of that clothing range, which you would include as part of this crowdfunding campaign and you would invite people to purchase those products up front before you've gone into production and in in exchange for them doing so you give them a very special price and a great big thank you 
for being an early investor in that stock. They, in exchange for the very special price, wait until your production has been made. And that can be maybe a few weeks or even sometimes in some cases I've seen it can be a few months. The main thing when you're doing any sort of crowdfunding campaign is to to keep your investors uh, or your fans or whatever you like to call them, keep them notified as you go along through the campaign. The way I've seen crowdfunding campaigns work really well is people that keep really on top of them. So they don't just launch the initial products. They all offer as well something special. They might offer... Um, So, for instance, there was a um, tartan mill um, up in Scotland called Prickly Thistle. And she could have just offered lengths of her special tartan to people that invested in her building her mill. But instead, she also offered um, special things. I think there was inclusion having dinner at the mill or something like that. So or your own special tartan made specifically for you. So. Think about when you do these sort of campaigns, what can you offer that isn't just the initial product, but there's something very special as well? What can you offer in terms of value and something that people will want that they wouldn't be able to get afterwards as a special thank you for them investing in your in your initial products? But the other reason that crowdfunding campaigns are really good, because say, for instance, like with Birdsong, where they had launched their collection, their latest collection. So it's not just for initial launches either. It can be for a new collection for an already established business. They did their crowdfunder campaign in order to be able to predict which styles were going to sell the best. So if you're launching something completely new and you're not sure whether colour A, B or C is going to be best, crowdfunder or Kickstarter is a great way of actually getting people to invest money and put their money into whichever their favourite product is. And then you, in turn, can order that product with the factory with so little wastage because you know what are the favourite options. Now, if you hadn't done that and if you hadn't tested and validated it using something like a crowdfunding platform, you would probably order each colour maybe in whatever you thought was going to sell best or in equal amounts and you'd have been left with a whole load of stock. So it's a great way of getting your predictions for ordering your production totally right, which is something that didn't exist in my days as a buyer. It is really important with crowdfunding campaigns to make sure that you offer something at a lower price than you would do once you go out to the big launch. Make it really an offer that someone couldn't refuse. It's a great way as well to get to build up an initial mailing list and a list of customers that want future products from you. So using a crowdfunding platform is my first tip for anyone who wants to validate a UK made product idea and doesn't have a big budget to start out because basically people are giving you the money for your production before you have to pay your factory, which is a win-win. The other way that I would suggest, which does involve ordering some products up front, but is doing something like a market or a fair or a consumer facing, customer facing event. Now, there's, there's always... A lot of people think that 
you need to have a big amount of stock to do some sort of live event or or sale or fair. And you really don't. We have a member of Make It British called Posh Muckers. And Sarah, that launched the brand, she first contacted me when she first launched. She'd only made a few of her they're jumpsuits for people that ride horses. They're really, they're stylish, they're cool, but they're also really dead practical. You have to check them out. I'll put the link in the show notes to Posh Muckers. Now, Sarah contacted me. She said, we're just about to launch. We're doing a an equestrian show. I think it might have been Horse of the Year or something like that. She'd booked a stand and she's like, I'm doing this first show. I've never done anything like this before. Probably haven't got enough stuff. And she completely sold out. And I said to her, but that is a good thing. It's best to be able to sell out up front because you can always go back for more. And if you hadn't have done that initial show, you wouldn't have known whether anyone wanted to buy your jumpsuits or not. But as it turned out for Sarah, she was incredibly successful. She's gone on to do a lot more shows and she's got feedback from her customers who've told her, what are the fabrics and materials they want to see her jumpsuits in so that she can improve on that in future shows. And she is completely flying. Now, someone else might have thought, well, I'm not ready to do the show. I haven't got 300 jumpsuits to start with. I've only got, you know, 20 or 30. But better to get out there, meet your customers, see what they have to say about the product, get them to try it on and touch it and feel it. And whatever you do, if you do do a show or an event when you when you've just launched or as you pre-launch and you've only got a small amount of stock, make sure that you're getting everyone's contact details. So if you have sold now, that's brilliant. Well, people think this is a fantastic product. I, I need that. You've got that rarity value then, haven't you? But whatever you do, capture all of their email addresses or their postal addresses and stay in touch with them. So you've got a captive audience there ready for when you do your big launch of your British made product. The final way of validating and testing a product idea, I think, is to use social media. Now, social media is great for testing the waters. You can get away with just having a photograph rather than a real product. You could have a dress that's got bulldog clips all down the back that doesn't really fit properly just to show it in the photograph to get an idea of whether someone is willing to buy it. But at the same time, social media is kind of becoming a little bit saturated now. And unless you already have quite a big following, maybe you're already in a and in an industry where you have a big following on Instagram, but you're not yet selling a product to them, it's quite difficult. I wouldn't rely on Instagram as a launch platform over something like Crowdfunder unless you've already got a big audience. It's easy to get totally lost on Instagram and not be able to get the word out there. But if you do, then Instagram or social media channels like Facebook, doing a Facebook live sale even, is a great way of getting people to respond. Look at your images, it's all very visual, they can see the product and they can give you feedback. So say you've done your testing, you've either done your crowdfunding campaign or you've done your Instagram promotion with your new products or you've been out there and you've done a fair. It's gone really well, everyone loves it, your initial samples have completely sold out. What are you gonna do next? Well, whatever you do before you decide to do your initial launch or your trial, make sure that you know 
how long it's going to take for your manufacturer to make the bulk of the next stock, the next production run. What are their lead times? Have you given your manufacturer an indication of what your quantities hopefully will be and keep them in the loop? Keep a manufacturer in the loop. They love it because then they know when they might have your order coming in and they can predict that because that's what manufacturers want. They want to know what's on the production line and when because at the end of the day, they've got staff to keep busy. So keep your manufacturer in the loop. Don't do your crowdfunding campaign, then call your manufacturer and say, okay, I need you know 5,000 pieces made now and find out they can't make them for another eight months. So keep the manufacturer in the loop and let them know beforehand when you're going to do so. Also, have a look and see if there's any tweaks you need to make to the initial product that you tested based on the feedback from the customers that you have put that product in front of. So are there any fit changes or color tweaks? Maybe your pricing wasn't quite right. Maybe people still found your initial prices quite high. So is there some way you can work with your manufacturer to get the price down? And that's the point at which you can negotiate with a manufacturer on a price, but based on feedback on what your customer is willing to pay. Is there something that you need to address in terms of the quality? All of these sort of things will come up when you do an initial trial and then for the bulk of your order, you can fix it. So you're not investing in a whole lot of stock that is completely wrong. So what about if you've done your initial launch and it didn't quite sell as you'd expected? What do you do then? Well, it may be that it's just a minor change. You know, don't be afraid to go back to people and find out why they didn't buy it. Is it just the price? Is it something really minor? Like um, like you didn't offer it in the colour that they wanted. This is the time to find out from people why they didn't buy make the small changes and then go ahead. If it's a complete no-go, your product was a stupid idea and you were just mad to ever even try to bring it to market, stick to the day job. Maybe you're better off knowing this at that point when you haven't invested tens or twenties or hundreds of thousands of pounds in getting a big production order made. God forbid you'd even put in an order for a big production order in China because that's what you might have to do and then it's all turned up. So the advantages of making with a manufacturer in the UK is that you can do this. You can test the waters and then you can go back for a bigger order quickly. Just keep your manufacturer in the loop and let them know that this is what you plan to do to validate your idea. So I hope you found that useful. Um, I'd love to hear your feedback. I always get such great messages from everyone that listens to this podcast and each and every one of those messages is read and responded to and fully appreciated. So thank you very much for listening to the Make It British podcast. So I'll be back again next Tuesday when I'm doing another interview, this time with a very special manufacturer based in East London who makes something that is very important in British weather. I'll leave you guessing as to who that might be. Until then, bye-bye. Thank you 
for listening to the Make It British podcast. I make an episode every Tuesday and Friday, plus there's also bonus episodes occasionally. So don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app so that you get notified every time a new episode goes live. And if you enjoyed the show, I would really love it if you left me just a little review on iTunes. The more reviews this podcast receives, the more people will discover it and the more we can spread the word about making in the UK. Thanks once again for listening to the Make It British podcast. Bye bye.